because of the culture and the come as you are, our servers are very engaging. They're very thoughtful. They're very nice. They're extremely knowledgeable. I mean, we get grades on our friendliness like nobody's business. I bet you we're one of the top out of the entire industry. Um, but that's a testament to how we treat our people. They're happy to be there. Today, I want to introduce you to two dynamic operators with extensive hospitality experience and a vision. Chris Artinian and Joe Kahn are leading a company called Condado Tacos Forward. But most importantly, it's not just about the tacos, the tequila, and the margaritas, which is a magic formula unto itself, but it's really about leadership and development and the company culture they've created that have taken their first employees and really developed their positions and given them leadership within this organization. And these people are doing quite well. This is a philosophy that makes perfect sense if you want to build a dream team staff, give them additional responsibility, empower them and watch what they can do. This company is on fire. They're in nine states and growing, so you're not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks to the sponsors this week, Verge Funding, Smithfield Culinary, The Birthday Club, and the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. Now, on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's a treacherous road, and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Hey there, rock stars. Let's talk birthday marketing. It's one of those critical, important details that either drive new and repeat business into your place or not. Now, very few of us are real expert marketers, but why not a program that's done for you, that targets all the customers in your area that are having birthdays? Everyone has a birthday. Why not speak to my buddy Dyson Barnett? He's a former restaurant owner-operator. He knows this business, and now his company delivers birthday customers, and it's all done for you. Get some marketing that you can track where you know exactly if it's working or not and what the return on investment is because so few marketing dollars that restaurant owners spend is trackable. So that's key. Dyson is pretty certain that he can get more butts in seats and not only more butts in seats, but repeat business. Once he introduces new customers to your restaurant, those people, if they have a great experience in your place, are going to come back and tell their friends. Now that's trackable and that's powerful marketing. Check it out at jointhebirthdayclub.com slash birthday rockstar. Chris, Joe, thanks so much for joining me today on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. How are you both? Good. Thanks for having us. You know, everyone has their own restaurant story, of course, and it all starts at different ages. And they're very interesting stories because they lay a foundation for what is to come. So if both of you would share that one at a time, that'd be great. And then how you got involved with Condado Tacos and then the story of the brand would be great. Yeah, um, I can start. I was... uh... I think it was whenever you could get a job. I think it was 15 and a half back in the day. Yes. And uh, first job was uh, Sizzler. I remember uh, Sizzler that. Sizzler Steakhouse, yeah. 
as a busboy in Chicago. Uh, and I loved it. I think I walked away with like seven or eight bucks at the end of the night. And I was basically hooked uh, going forward. Um, honestly, I never, I never left the industry. I worked my way through. Uh, from there, I think I advanced my way all the way up to uh, Pizza Hut, uh, where I became a server. Uh, and from Pizza Hut, you know, went everywhere. Red Lobster, uh, a lot of independents, um, a lot of different places, all different positions in the restaurant. You know, server, bar back, uh, back of house, um, consulting eventually, uh, you know, restaurant management, of course. Uh, I think I was only up to a, a couple units on my own. But uh, yeah, so that's my backstory for the restaurant business. I was very motivated from the age of uh, whenever I, I got my first job because I loved the industry. Um, honestly, I fell in love with like talking to people and walking around and helping them. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what life is all about. And I remember I went home and told my dad and my dad goes, you're going to be a garbage man. Get out of the restaurant business. Don't do it. You're be a garbage man. Go, go get your degree and, and go do something else. And I, uh, I think I made it my mission for the last uh, 35 years uh, or so to uh, prove them wrong. And I'm the founder of Condado, so I'm, I'm very proud whenever I see my father um, to remind him that he told me if I uh, stayed in the restaurant business, I would end up being a garbage man. So not that there's anything wrong with being a garbage man. I mean, it probably pays pretty well and great union, all that good stuff, but some reason I took offense to that. So, and you're outdoors That's all my... the time, but <laughs> <laughs> what's that? And you're outdoors all the time. That's right. I bet you, you smell great. Uh, yeah. no offense to them, but, uh, yep. you know, I, uh, I just fell in love with it. I really did mm -hmm. from moment one and, uh, you know, um, all the way through, even to this day, I sometimes dream because I, I don't let myself, uh, interfere with anybody in the restaurants anymore because they know much better than than I do. Um, but sometimes I want to get up and help and I'm like, Oh shoot, I can't, I can't, you know, gotta, gotta not do that. So I miss it uh, a lot every day. That's a great foundational story. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks. How about you, Chris? Tell us about you. You know, I, I really, for me, it starts really as a kid. My, my family was very, very, very passionate about food. My mother was an amazing cook. I'm half Italian, half Armenian. So like two really great, you know, food cultures. Yes. And, you know, and, and so every, everything we did was surrounded around a meal, uh, celebration, sadness, uh, mourning, um, and, uh, um, and, and my, my mother was very passionate in the early days, really took, you know, cooking classes with some of the coolest chefs in New York city years ago. And I, I was very fortunate enough as, as the third child to kind of be at that age where my mo mom was doing a lot of that, you know, um, stuff. And I got to participate and, 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 you know, help her with prep, et cetera. And then as I got older, um, I, I did do similar to Joe worked in fast food. I started, I got into Burger King and sort of cut my teeth there. And then, uh, while I was going to school and, um, and then I, and then kind of started valley parking cars for our favorite Italian restaurant. And uh, the the founders there, the owners who still run it today, La Parma in New York, uh, on, on Long Island, New York, uh, 
uh, one day needed some help in, in the kitchen and waiting tables and and said, hey, can you come in early one day? I'm going to show you how to make uh, chicken cutlets. And and so found myself frying chicken cutlets and then learning about how to make sauce and really kind of fell in love with sort of like the, the this prideful ownership of this independent restaurant, the neighborhood joint. I, I, I went on to school and, and I actually started out in a different career and really, really was not fulfilled. Um, and I left the industry and, and started to look for other things. And I really kept coming back to the restaurant industry. And I went back and I started at um, Morton Steakhouse in New York City. Um, at Familiar 40. with the brand. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was there in 90, 94, 95 at 413 an hour chopping onions in the pantry. And over a 17-year career, uh, was very had the great fortune of being around a, a really terrific culture of people that showed me the way, mentored me. Um, anything you can imagine from an operational standpoint uh, to um, you know employee relations and the development of those relationships inside the restaurants, the value of process and and structure. Uh, but also, uh, Morton's was private equity owned. So as I grew with that company, sort of got exposure to the business of restaurants. So very fortunately, 17 years later, I, I ended up being, um, you know, led, led, I was a CEO, the CEO of Morton's and, uh, and in 2012 led, led, led the sale. We were a public company. So as you can imagine over that 17 year period, the, the exposure and experience that, that, that I got in that business was phenomenal. And um, how, how, how it led me to Condado uh, and, and meeting Joe was, was really sort of a page out of that book in some ways. So after Morton's, I, I spent a few years staying around private equity, took on a few roles as a, a few different roles as CEO or, or consulting or do, doing some um, sort of due diligence on, on new deals. And then I ended up uh, joining full-time a private equity firm out of New York called the Beekman Group um, as a managing director. And I was out actively um, seeking deals in the restaurant space. And I was the operator amongst a, a, amongst a group of financial experts, um, professional investors, and complemented the team with sort of my my operational purview and sort of led the the, the restaurant deals. And I, uh, we were, we were looking, uh, we were prospecting for deals. I, I found out about Condado, um, you know, from afar and I was like, well, this is an interesting concept. Never had never been to one, just kind of did some quick online work. And then Joe, Joe, Joe Khan, uh, the founder and, and I met, um, at a conference and literally like I, uh, Joe, I'll say it was like 10 minutes in. We really yeah. understood that, you know, we shared a lot of values when it came to rest, like, you know, amazing mm -hmm. food, really focused, but, but really led with people, like people yeah. were the most paramount thing. And it really resonated with me about the alignment of the, the vision that Joe had uh, around Condado, the alignment of people. I don't want to go too far into the story quite yet, but I'll, 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 I'll pause here in a sec. But um, but we connected at that level, and I just thought Condado had such a great formula of a simple menu, driven around a culture of come as you are with people, um, led by this founder Joe Khan, 
um, that I thought it was a great opportunity, a great investment. And we ended up at, at the Beekman Group leading the deal um, and and uh, investing as a majority partner in uh, 2020. Um, yep. And um, I, uh, I got so excited about the brand. And after two years, mm -hmm. uh, got to know the team. I actually formally resigned from the firm. Um, and uh, join join the company as the full time president and CEO two years ago, uh, just because I believe so much in the brand, the people, and the concept. So sorry for the long winded. No, no, that was wonderful. Both of those stories are grounded in foundational elements of this business, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. The experience that led to what you're doing now, but the thing that really resonates is passion. This is such a business of passion. And when you're in this business, it can bite you early and bite you hard and it just gets in your blood and you just stay with it. But it's really about relationships also. It's relationships with the team. It's relationships with suppliers. It's relationships with guests, all those things. And then it's the unifying force that brings the entire world together. So multicultural, multi-dimensional, and all that came across mm -hmm. in your story. So thanks so much for sharing. It is definitely a business of passion, and both are really great stories. So let's talk about the founding story now of Condado. Yeah. How old? I know you're, uh, looks like the website show, shows you have nine states represented here and growing. Yep. Tremendous. And uh, we're, we're going to get into the menu and the food and the concept and all that, but let's talk about the longevity, the founding story, and where the brainchild came from. I always love to hear that uh, that information. So take us there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Nine states, 45 locations, soon to be 50 by the end of the year. Uh, it's an amazing story in nine years, but it really is just a testament to the culture uh, that we try to provide at Condado. Even from day one, you know, we have uh, eight to 10 original employees in that restaurant where, you know, your first one where, you know, you're scraping by and, and, uh, you know, all these guys believed in the culture of the restaurant and what I was doing, and they ended up being uh, still with me. And that's a testament. They're all in the C-suites or some higher up position uh, and able to grow this, you know, into a $200 million uh, company. Um, but the the origin of it was I, I got my opportunity when I was 39 years old. Um, I started another concept under the same, uh, under a different name same kind of concept. I evolved a little bit. Uh, I was very, very lucky to um, meet my wife who knew a guy that had a place that was going under and had a liquor license. And I went in and made a deal and told him my concept and we became partners. Um, you know, had a good year or so together. And uh, then we, you know, ended up not being um, we ended up separating our own ways and going away and going, we were all happy, whatever. Okay. Typical partnership story. You don't always yeah, see eye to awesome. eye. Things go sideways fun. sometimes. What okay. year was that? Yeah. What What year would you say? That, uh, was, that was two years earlier than Condado. So that was, okay. uh, 2012. Gotcha. All right. But anyways, so to, to start with the concept, when I was 39 and met my, my wife, when I was 38, I think something like that, um, you know, I always dreamt and I would tell her my dreams. I'm like, if I ever get the opportunity to open a place of my own, it's going to be amazing and blah, 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 blah. Turns out her friend had that place. And I went and I, I 
uh, I asked him and he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I, I said, oh, I want sandwiches. And he goes, well, what about Mexican? We don't have Mexican. And I go, well, I don't know Mexican, but I, you know what? I do know Mexican, but how about we specialize it? I'm going to do just like tacos, tacos. And I, you know, he goes, well, go, go write it down and bring it to me the next day and we'll look it over. And literally an hour and a half. It took me and my wife and a half a bottle of whiskey. And we sat there and she took notes and I was just like, okay, this is my dream. This is my dream. This is what I want. I've I've been in this industry for 30 years now or 28, 25 years, whatever it was at that point. I go, I hate this, this, and this about the industry. We're all a number. I want to make this culture that everybody comes as their own, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I want to not, you know, I, I was a fine dining guy most of my career, so I, uh, I, w- I would always, <laughs> they, they used to call me the guy that um, either revived or ruined places, but these guys would spend like $5 million on the restaurant, then they'd put me in charge, and that's all great and everything, but I'd look around and I'd go, well, why is this table, why did you spend $20,000 on this table? I go, that's not going to bring people in. I go, well, you know, it's, it's about the food, it's the ambiance, everything else. So I... Um, she was typing everything down and I'm like, I want artwork on the walls. I want, I don't want expensive tables. I just want like green tables and chairs and I want it served out of a, a boat. But what we have to do is we have to do, we, we have to have the best food. It has to be customizable, uh, tacos, blah, blah, blah. And so an hour and a half, literally, uh, I look back at that uh, little business plan that I did. Well, we're 13 years ago now, 13 or 14 years ago. And it's still to this day is about 90% of what Condado is. So it's really funny to look back and go, huh, but really I built this place because I wanted to build a place for that I thought I would want to be a part of and to go to. So built it, turned out great. Partnership didn't last, but I, I got really lucky two years later, I was working and I found two great partners and then I took all my experiences from the other uh, space and went, well, that was great, but now I need to make it even better. And so I changed a bunch of stuff, molded it into you know, something that I thought was uh, even better. And then voila, Condado, nine years later, 45 restaurants in. Uh, it's an amazing story. But really, at the end of the day, I wanted an exciting environment that I could serve affordable food, craveable food. Um, clean food, high ingredients for an affordable price. I wanted a place that you could come to two or three times a week and not get bored of it. And so, but I also wanted people who were there to work for me to enjoy their jobs. So I'm like, you know, the come as you are Mm -hmm. kind of made it. And, And what I found was when I was working in the industry, um, when I was in that stuffy uniform and I was all this, I wasn't myself. I didn't feel good. I didn't yep. feel like myself, mm-hmm. you know? So anyways, we did this and, and, and you know, it, it's not like it just happened overnight. I mean, I, I a lot of things happened uh, in between, but um, it was great. Everything poured out of me and, uh, you know, it's just fantastic to see 45 restaurants in and thousands of employees, the beginning values of Condado that I started the culture. I mean, I, this is unheard of, but when I go to a restaurant opening, I have at least four or five employees who have been with me three, four, five years that some of them, I just, 
you know, I can't even remember still because there's so many people out there coming up and we've met once or twice or whatever, but they come up and they go, you know, this job has changed my life. I have never been in this industry. And I shit you not. I don't know if you can swear on this podcast. I just did, but yeah, let yourself go. (laughs) (laughs) It really is a testament to the culture that these eight, nine, 10 guys that have permeated through the organization has passed down to every employee, even the longevity employees that have been with us seven years and eight years, you know, it's all passed down. And then we all believe in this unified thing of come as you are, be happy, you know, be happy at works, take pride in your work, work hard, and you're going to have these great opportunities. I mean, now I'm at the point where, and I have been for several years after the first couple of years, I'm just like, I want this thing to be you know, national. I want to be the premier company. I want to change how you're treated in the restaurant industry, how you can make money and how you can get ahead without having a big college degree and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, um, I would, I would probably say out of the 10 employees, there's probably two that have a degree and, uh, our, our millionaires are going to be millionaires, uh, soon. So, you know, it's, it's a great testament to, um, vision of what you want and finding people better than you that believe in you to execute uh what is happening now you know what i mean let's go back in time to the beginning and i'm sure you can remember every restaurant every restaurateur has crazy stories what were the big challenges and pain points what kept you up at night what did you think oh my gosh i'm not going to get past this and then you fast forward years in the future and now you can laugh at it and say that was really nothing and look where we've come so far does anything like that strike either of you gentlemen oh my god i mean i'll go and tell my horror stories and i'm sure chris has a million too but i mean in this business there's just so many failures all the time around you it's it's how you react i mean i've i've lost uh uh people that i thought were the best and i'm like oh this is not gonna work or there's so many challenges i i wish i could pick out one i mean i've 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 shut down restaurants because i failed during service i would shut down my restaurants in the middle of service apologize give people drinks say all your food's on me we did not do this properly give us another chance you know um, and that to me was a big failure and I'd go home and go, Oh my God, and pull my hair out or, you know, whatever it is. But I got back up the next day and I'm like, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail hard. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to do it right the next day. And the people around me really rallied and came with me. And that's really what made Condado. They all rallied behind us together as this company. And we, and we came through, but yeah, I mean, I've lost partnerships. I've lost deals. I've lost everything. I mean, I fail. I've failed all the time. I that's what makes you. I think in my book. I I don't know what you think, Chris. No, I uh, first of all, well said, and and and, it and like you know, spoken like a true founder and, and a dreamer. And you know, I think you know, there's an eighty percent failure rate in business for a reason, and and uh, it's it's hard to you know, it's not. To Joe's point, it was never just about the taco, um, it, or, you know, or even, or even better food. You know, a lot of people could decide to put a better product on the menu. Um, this business is so people intensive, and that's and that's why it's so hard. Um, yeah. And 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 I think that's that's the struggles that I remember. I I, I have always 
uh, touted myself as the great replicator of brands. Uh, I am, I have always had the ability in my career to take a dreamer like Joe, uh, that has a vision that, that gets, gets it started. And, and I am really good at sort of taking the ball and, and helping replicate that in, in a, um, to, you know, two restaurants, three restaurants, five restaurants, 10 restaurants and, and beyond. And that's, that's what I've done, um, you know, over the years and more of a sort of, sort of from, even though I had independent roots, but I've, I've really in, in my mature years in the restaurants has really been corporate structure. And I have the great fortune of working with folks like Joe that, that I can able to take the dream of which I couldn't come up with some of these ideas, it, 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 you know, uh, it locked in a room, but I'm, I'm pretty good at the cultural piece and, and carrying that ball. And and engaging with people and getting the most out of people, which is really what excites me. And this this business, if you don't want to make a, per, a difference in a person's day, you're in the wrong industry. And and we, we, and and I mean that starting with your team members. And Joe says something, and we talk about it a lot as a group. And our, our COO Johnny, who was Joe's jo, Johnny Zila, who was Joe's um, first employee, really leads this in our organization. But you know, we say at Condado that whether you're here one week, one minute, one one year, 10 years, or 20, we want you to look back on that experience as the best time you've had, as one of the best experiences that you, you learned something, you took away something. Because so many people come into this industry in their formative years and not sure what, what to do with it. So it is the toughest part. And it's why it, it's such a high failure rate, because you got to get people that believe and, and align and, and, and then, then, then share your passion for what you're doing and then to execute it. And uh, those, are, those are the growing pains that, that I think still to this day keep us up at night, but that also we're so passionate about, about getting right because we know those are the, those are the folks that are going to help us you know, tell that story um, and execute. And, and, and by us helping them better their lives in some way, uh, you know, large or small, they're they're going. It's going to translate to the guest experience um, and be pretty special. That's definitely beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about roles, okay? I know you're president and CEO, and um, Joe, you're the founder and whatnot. Is there any overlap to what you two do? You obviously collaborate on the business, on growth, on future marketing strategies, all that kind of stuff. But you know, what are your roles specifically? What you know that that cliche: stay in your lane. You each have your own yeah. lanes. What are those lanes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll I'll tell you. Listen, Chris is the uh, Chris is the uh, uh, how, how can I say this? He's more than just the running back. He is the guy that takes the ball and just runs with it and gets everything put together. I'm, I'm the dreamer. Um, the great thing about Chris, and I'll just tout him really quick. Mm -hmm. Please. He is not a typical CEO and president. He, he thinks like me, he thinks like he wants my help when it comes to all this. He doesn't need to ask for my help. He's like, I'm not the majority anymore. I'm still the largest stockholder. I'm not the majority. So he could go, okay, I don't even want to listen to you, Joe, and blah, blah, blah. But what he knows is I'm the founder. I still have a vision. I have people that follow me. And he supports what I do. But we we talk about everything. Chris lets me in. I sit in a lot of 
you know, the meetings, the big meetings, of course. And mm-hmm. he relies on me to say, hey, is this what Condado should be? And I go, yeah. Or I say, no, this is not, this is not us. I, I want to tell you. So I spend a lot of time working with Chris, but he's really the uh, running back slash quarterback, whatever you want to say that uh, really, you know, takes all these different personalities. And then he, at the end of the day, he has to make the big decision. It's just, it is what it is. I mean, there's, you know, there's been tough decisions that he's had to make that me, Johnny, and him don't all agree on. And at the end of the day, we will sit there for hours. We will sit there for a week. We will sit there for two weeks until we finally get to a, po- a point where we're all like, okay, this is what we can live with. And that's very rare because we're usually all on the same page. But I mean, if there's something, we're not scared to you know, talk about why it's wrong or why it's right. And the voice our opinion. At the end of the day, we all care about Condado, but he's a big architect. I'm the dreamer. I still say I have a very good pulse on the business. I'm there a lot. I'm in a ton of meetings. So it's not like I go anywhere, but at the end of the day, Chris really does all the uh the hard work. Um I, you know, I, would, I dream. Joe, that's very kind and, and I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I will say that Joe is the absolute DNA of, of Condado. And one one of the one of the biggest values that that Condado has is the fact that Joe's still involved. Um, you know, uh, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I've worked with other brands. I've worked with brands with the founder, without a founder that's still that's still involved. The advantage we have of having Joe's original vision is that I I can real time gut check. Does this feel right? Is this was this? the reason why we started this because what's important to me to really replicate a brand in a sustainable way is are the values that started this brand still intact and and are we making our decisions whether it be around our people around our food around our menu around our building around how we're you know um however we use our strategic vision does it fit within the core values that 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 was your idea when you started this. And, you know, I love the fact that we can wake up and understand the why of, of why Condado got started. And, and I have that with a founder. So Joe is absolutely chief innovation officer. So he gets very involved with our food um, and, and is very involved in our marketing um, and really works with me uh, on the culture. Um, and to Joe's point, I, I, I am the strategist, if you will, to, to help put in uh, structure, um, sort of uh, how do we replicate this in the most effective way possible. And I work closely with our, our COO, who's just done an amazing job of creating systems and operational uh, execution that is just exemplary. Uh, I thought I was a pretty good operator coming through this. Johnny's the best that best period in the industry, is, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, so I, I have an innovator. And a, and a culture guy that that understands in Joe in Joe Khan that understands exactly the why behind what we do, and I have I have an operator that was there day one that knows how to do it from scratch and and execute it at an extremely high level, and I, I get to be sort of the baton leader, if you will. These guys run. These guys are the show. I mean, I am. I've been doing this a long time. I really enjoy, really enjoy what they've built and is I am really enjoying helping them uh, for lack of a better way to put it, show them what Condado can continue to be with the dream that the, that, that Joe has had by, you know, 
introducing it to new markets in a way that keeps the brand preserved. And that's that's my that's my job with a lot of help from those guys. Well, it sounds to me everything you've said so far leads back to your people. Your people are your strength. Your people are brand representatives in all these states. Your people have, you talked a lot about culture also, which seems really, really strong. You don't just have a mission statement. You have a true culture that defines your brand, that everybody feels, that everyone is pulling toward that common goal, but you still need to maintain consistency across all those locations and across all those states. Have you had, um, well, are any of the original employees in different states now running the different stores or are they district managers? Let's, let's talk about leadership and, and how yeah. you develop leadership across the states and across the chain. Get big flavor with little labor with Smokin' Fast from Smithfield. It's fully cooked or smoked proteins, including American barbecue staples and global flavors. Everything from ribs to pulled chicken to brisket and barbacoa are all authentically slow cooked to perfection. It's so delicious your guests will never know it wasn't smoked right in your own kitchen. Now you can add barbecue to your menu without adding a pit master to your payroll. Visit smithfieldculinary.com slash smokinfast. That's spelled S-M-O-K-E-N-F-A-S-T. Listen, you've heard a lot of noise about the ERC tax credit. Why is it such a big deal? Because your business already paid a ton of money in payroll taxes, and more than likely, you qualify to get a ton of money back. Now, if you haven't applied yet, I'm telling you, drop everything. Drop what you're doing and figure out how to get it done. The truth is, and I'm speaking from experience here, it's super easy to get the money back if you let an expert do the work for you. Now get on this before the government either changes the program or runs out of money. I got hundreds of thousands of dollars back from my restaurant and it literally saved our business. Now you may have heard it may take many months after applying to get your money back, but that doesn't have to be the case. If you need your ERC refund sooner to run your business or to take care of some much needed projects, you can speak with Karen Garbett, the owner of Verge Funding Group, about a bridge loan or other working capital. Now whether you wait for your check, opt for a bridge loan or other working capital, it's likely you have a significant amount of money due back to you, so don't lose it. Now go to the show notes for this episode on our website and use Karen's calendar link to set up a time to chat with her personally about how much money your business can get back. I'll talk the beginning days and then I'll let Chris take and go there. But the consistency uh, thing is is was number one on our minds when I decided we are, well, when we had one restaurant, I learned from McDonald's. I'm like, I want to go to Condado every time and I want it to be the same food, right? Absolutely. Has to be consistent, has to be the same. So that was day one. I mean, I would throw out gallons full of sauces that we would make for the day. We were that busy. We were five, five and a half million dollar little restaurant in the short north and we would have to make things in gallons, uh, sauces in gallons. I'd go around and taste and that's, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning and if somebody didn't make it right, well, it, doesn't get doctored, it gets thrown out. So you have to restart or it's just not on your menu for the day. And then you have to explain. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So sure. I was very big on consistency, safety, consistency, knock on wood is, is the worst thing uh, that could happen. But um, I actually <clears throat> made sure on the consistency part. And a lot of the guys that, that were with me in the beginning, 
are the higher ups in, in, in the company now, you know, the, 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 you know, culinary managers and, and, you know, all these guys. And so that foundation of building those armies, there's a lot more because there's, you know, your two employees that have been there eight years, we don't call them the OGs and there's seven years and they're not mm-hmm. the OG, but they are, you know what okay. I mean? Sure. A lot of those guys permeate themselves through the organization, but, um, so that was just like beaten and beaten into you. And there's no way that these guys are not going to be consistent because they went through hell with me. I was not fun to be around. I was not a fun boss. They believed in my vision, but you know, there are days that we didn't look in each other in the eye because I was like, this is what we're doing until we're friends and you conform to what I'm doing. I'm not going to, you know, kind of thing. So, um, they were very good. They survived. I call it the, I, my last name is Khan, the wrath of Khan days. Oh, they survived those and they made course. it. Yeah, yeah. They learned, but that's how you have to be in the business to get your, mm. your everything done. And, you know, I loved them to death, but I just wanted to be this, this thing. I had a vision. So that's not a problem. Now going forward, the more we expand, I'll let Chris take it, but we are, we're a pretty big organization at this point. So, I mean, you know, we have a lot of regionals that have been with us a long time and our COO and we have, you know, a bunch of assistant regionals and, but I'll let Chris speak to the, uh, making sure everything's consistent across the board. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Uh, so just to pick up where, where, where Joe left off is that, you know, a lot of those folks that were there from the beginning uh, to, to answer your question too, are one, one is our COO is uh, so in the C-suite for sure. Um, we have, uh, another one is our vice president of food operations who runs our, our make fresh sort of production, a 26,000 square foot facility where we do everything from scratch Um and and he he was a he, you know started with a five gallon bucket and a piece of plywood and a chef knife and now is running a facility that um, people would absolutely laud and envy today. And don't um, forget he does the uh, he does our our uh, our own um, logistics trucking as well. Distrib- logistics distribution that's yeah. very important with the uh, scratch kitchen because everything that is made is made like it's made in your kitchen and delivered to your restaurant within 24 hours, which is unheard of. So it is that's logistically states. amazing, right? The commissary yeah, no. kitchen. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it is tremendous. So, you know, Jan Stewart or VP of food operations was within a matter of weeks, uh, hired, um, you know, in the early days. So to culinary manager, to our beverage manager, to, um, our, facilities folks so those original folks permeate the company still um it's, several of them are on the training team uh today and, and help Alyssa us. runs the art department uh, Alyssa Alyssa Martin um run, runs our, our art department and has been with us for years and so you know these are these are you know the original folks that that really are the foundation of the culture and then what our what our COO has done certainly with with Joe's support over the years and 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 mine over the last couple of years, <clears throat> taken the ball of that and really um, driven the organization to to drive personal and professional development. And so with with all these openings, when you're opening up, you know, it, you know, you go from opening up one to three to five to you know, you know, will be almost twelve new openings this year. Uh, which is which is really exciting. You need people, 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to go there too in a few minutes. But keep going. Sixty-six <laughs> percent of our promotions last year were internal, and and that does not happen without you know a tremendous focus on um, on development programs and getting people excited about the brand, excited about their growth, and getting them to stay. Uh, because they believe and they're 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 feeling part of and uh, so these these folks that have stayed from the beginning believed in joe's vision and they've been the quarterback so to speak or the um, or the messenger of this culture and because they're in so many different positions you know at, at the four corners of condado we're very fortunate to have so many mouthpieces of our culture and where we started in the history uh, certainly led by Joe and our and our COO Johnny Zila and the supporting cast, um, but it really creates this place where, you know what, boy, the, if I if I really do X Y and Z, I could actually manage X Y and Z, and I can actually grow my career here. And as excited as we are about everyone growing their career, we're still perfectly okay. Is that if you just have a great experience with us, um, and 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 learn and grow in any fashion yeah uh, and if the restaurant industry isn't for you and you move on at least you can look back on condado and saying boy that was a great growth opportunity for me i really grew as a person i learned a little bit about business learned a little bit about working with people working with 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 um with, with guests and the hospitality and um and that's driven because we have so many people that have tenure here but also so many people that have grown their, their own careers here which really kind of permeates that sort of tenure and, and retention. So now you're talking leadership versus management. And I think there's a huge distinction and it's kind of unfortunate that our industry throws around that word manager so often and it's the title, right? And just because you're promoted to manager or that's your title doesn't mean you're competent or experienced to be the manager, but a leader is someone one leads by example, recognizes talent in other people, nurtures and develops that talent, gives them opportunities to grow in an organization, gives them room to make mistakes and fail, um, recognizes and rewards that performance. And like you said, if you just want to make the tacos and you want to stay here forever, just making the tacos, that's okay too. But that's leadership, right? And I, I'm hearing that crystal clear from your organization. And that exactly. is just really, really strong. I mean, when you've got that, that, that is part of the culture also of the organization for sure. Just a testament to how you've created this thing. The vision that remained true and solid doesn't deviate from this is us, like you said, Joe. And, and that is, that's, that's really powerful. There's a great takeaway there for our audience. So I'm really glad you shared that's, that's yeah, and thank you for saying that because it is very true. It's it's not uh, abundant in this uh, industry. No, uh, it really isn't. But it's um, we're very proud of our people. We're very proud of of uh, how far you want to go, and we're very proud of you know uh, our pay, our pay scale. I mean, we pay um, probably in the 90th percentile, if not above, of major companies, everywhere from salary down to line cooks. I was paying close to 20 bucks an hour, um, nine years ago. Oh, amazing. and that's always been a, yeah, that's always oh. been our philosophy. And I made yeah, a that's, that's shitload powerful. of money yep. and I opened up 45 of these. So it can be done. People in the industry take note. If you pay well, people will work hard for you. There'll be less turnover and, uh, you'll, you'll make yourself a lot of money. Um, so it can be done, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, we, we, 
you need a livable wage. You need to feel like you're part of something when you come to work. And you need to feel like if you want to stay with that company, that you can advance. And there are so many opportunities as big as we think. Well, I don't think anybody thinks we're that big. Maybe people outside of our organization, we still see ourselves as a baby in this industry. 45 restaurants, 50 restaurants. For what we want to achieve, we're a baby in the industry right now. And to be that legacy company is going to take, uh, you know, a, a good number of years to make sure that we keep doing what we're doing and growing at the same time and making sure that our culture is intact. Because these great brands like In-N-Out Burger and McDonald's and all this, they're all built the same way. There's you you can go back and I bet you my story is I is identifiable uh, to them as it is. Now you look at other brands that have been around for a few years and have gone. I bet you that's not um, in that organization. They don't care about culture. They care about churning and burning. And uh, to me, it's what Chris said in the beginning. It's a people. It's a people business. If you can't take care of your people, to take care of the people that come in the restaurant, you're just not going to have a restaurant. That's how it is, right? Let's talk about onboarding new staff and indoctrinating them into this culture and training and recognition and rewards. How does that work across the organization? Yeah, I, I could take that, Joe, if you like. Sure. The yeah. um, so so um, so we do have, we 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 have a, a full on training department, as you can imagine. Um, so certainly have a director of training um, and a supporting cast that that not only that not only focuses on um, you know opening new restaurants, but also. Mm -hmm. uh, documenting every process we have in the organization. The most valuable thing to really bring someone on board is we really think it starts with, you know, orientation. And the thing that, the, 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 the thing that we, as basic as that sounds, is that the most important thing is that day one, you're truly welcomed here at Condado. You understand who we are, what we are. You, you are met with our mission statement or, in our core values, um, you're met with exercises that help you um, understand the reason why those were developed and wh what's the meaning behind them, and that's the foundation of what we do. The, and and every every piece of training material and every piece of communication today goes through the lens of our of our mission statement, which as it our, our mission statement can be a little lengthy, but at the end of the day, it's about you know, come as you are and, and creating an experience as unique as you are. And we use that lens in everything that we do and how we communicate, um, how we even do development programs. We want to use the, the same language um, that we're all accustomed to. So everyone truly understands where we're coming from uh, when, when we are communicating something or the spirit or communicating the spirit of a new initiative or communicating um you know, anything that's that's going on in the organization, we really try to look through the lens of our mission statement and our core values. I, ironically enough, the the acronym is CASO, and we certainly sell a ton Queso. of CASO. Perfect, yes, yes. <laughs> which, which stands right. for... Perfect, perfect fit. Yeah, and, and it's exciting because it really, it stands for, if you just, just to share with you, quality, unique, empowered service and opportunity, you know. Oh, yeah, that's great. I'll save you yeah. from going through each one of those, but each one of those words really means something in our organization when it comes to quality and, and the people not beyond the food. 
right? And uniqueness, the celebration of the people, the, the uniqueness of the of the menu, and and so on and so forth, and and giving people the power to grow their own careers and make a difference in someone's you know day in in the guest experience, et cetera, et cetera. And we we really work hard, um, and we're not perfect at it because I I don't know if we ever will be, to be honest. Um, we really try to hold ourselves accountable to this mission and, and, and core values and gut check ourselves regularly and saying, are, are we, are we really holding up the values that we went out there and said that we're going to do? And, um, we, we ask our, we ask our, 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 our team members about it. Um, and we really try to, you know, whether it be quarterly meetings um, with our general managers and other managers, really try to engage at a level that ensures that we're supporting that message. I'm not hearing that you've had much of a challenge with the labor crisis that much of the industry is complaining uh, about. Yeah, I wish. I, you know, I it's. Uh, I, I wish we were insulated uh, to what everyone has. You know, ch- you know, has been challenged. I. I, I, I you know, no, no doubt. And just to be very transparent during COVID, you know, we experienced some of the highest turnover in the industry, um, despite all the great things I, I, I think we do, you know, for, for several different reasons. One, there was a, a lot of things changing in the world. People, people, you know, taking stock in, in, in their lives and wanting different qualities of life or different experiences and trying different things. So, um, or just not, you know, returning to work candidly, uh, whether depending on the time we were going through. So there is no question um, we had those challenges. But but what I what I will say, where everything that we've spoken about here saved us, is that I think we had an advantage over most because we had a group of people that were aligned with us that said. If we can get open and be the first ones open, we can serve our communities. And that's, boy, that's something pretty special. It is. And and to have a collective group of people do that. And these types of people attract like, like folks. So while we absolutely battle turnover, we had a core group of folks that was the nucleus that really kept kept us together. Um, allowed us to be open, uh, you know, more than many of our peers, uh, candidly, whether it be more days of the week or open period, um, or just even more, more, more meal periods. Um, but uh, it was because of the foundation that we had and and that continued to attract people that we, many others, had to reduce hours and or and or not get open certain shifts. And despite the battle we had with um, with with hiring like everyone else, we were we were highly successful. And I have to just you know tout my operations team um, mm-hmm. and just doing an amazing job of every day figuring out okay what are we challenged with today? And we were all in it together. There wasn't a time that you couldn't pick up the phone and speak to a manager immediately or candidly a senior member of staff or or, or candidly if you needed to a dishwasher for that matter proverbially um mm-hmm. but we were in this together and we were solving problems together and i think that's what helped us maintain the folks that we did have that kept the lights on during those times yeah i'll just yeah, i'll add to that really quick yep. just because I, i'm so amazed by our organization but i mean 
it was crazy. I mean, if you if you remembered, everybody was cutting staff, and then you had to cut all the managers' pay because nobody knew what was happening, and you cut you know everybody, and you you had no servers and blah blah blah. Well, these guys band together, and I I got to tell you, within a month, we were doing so well with just to go and serving our communities that we were able to get everybody back that was on leave. I don't know if it was one month or two months. I can't remember, but it was a lot faster than 99%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We paid all the back pay. We paid them hazard pay. We did all this stuff. I mean, it was fantastic that we were able to do that uh, because of that core group of managers that were like, no, 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 we got this. We got this and and really helped us uh, through uh, the whole business. And, it, you know, ended up being great because some of these guys, you know, to go specialists were making $48 an hour is what they were averaging. Yeah, right. Then yes. all of a sudden people were like, okay, well, government assistance, I don't want that. Let's go back to work. I can make 50 bucks an hour or whatever. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was a very difficult time, but uh, I think our culture did save us. Yeah. Were there any pivots that came out of the pandemic that you continue to use today that are now huge parts of your business? I mean, you mentioned to-go, obviously, but then online ordering became huge and delivery became huge and all these other things. When you had to shut your business down physically for many states did for, you know, a, a large part of time, my state included. And then even in our state of Maine, they enacted uh, alcohol to go is now allowed and they're continuing yeah. that. And that's been a huge boon to business. You know, when you can yeah. put cocktails in a sealed container and sell that with a to-go item now, it's it's a wonderful right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We were less than, uh, I think, Chris, keep me honest, three or 4% off premise before we shut down in 2020 uh, to now it's about 30% of our business. So we picked up a lot of that off premise and uh, everything else. But I'll, I'll let Chris tell all the... Uh, yeah. Piv- piv- it makes me laugh because that the was the word. Now. We hate that word now. I know it's true, <laughs> but but it, but it, in, in all in, in all candidness, it was the word we used every day, every minute, and and I think we can't. I I, I think we all you know get the sweats when we hear it because that's all <laughs> we ever had to say was like, all right, we got to pivot again. We got to pivot. Right. right, uh, right. You hit it on the head. If it was if it wasn't going from to go, uh, you know, from in-house to go to adopting technology at, at a rapid pace. Yeah. I mean, fully integrating with online ordering, third-party delivery, uh, re- you know, paying at the table, remote printers, remote remote POS, um, KDS systems, anything that that created anything frictionless. Um, we 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 were really proud that one our our, our collective team, including our tech our tech department really kept us in the game of saying, all right, here's that, here's the tech we need. Let's go out and get it. Let's, let's learn about it, get the right piece of technology, then deploy it and do it in, in, in a way that, you know, um, didn't slow us down and, and that we can try to keep up with this ever changing pace. Cause we really knew the, we really needed the, the ability to stay nimble in this environment, because it seemed like every day the laws were changing and the times were changing. If you remember those early days of COVID, oh, yeah. we just wanted to be able to be in a position to be as flexible as possible. So we adopted just about every everything you read today in restaurant news or 
or any any of the industry rags about you know um, online ordering or or um, you know uh, electronic uh, electronic weight management uh, to KDS systems to remotes to um, uh, you know uh, AI interacting with the app. Um, you know, we, we, we are, we are in the process of, of, of trying to get a test coding with robotics. I mean, it's a, it's become a real mainstay of what we do That's without sacrificing true. quality and allowing us to, um, be more efficient and continue to invest in our people. Let's go to your menu. R and D does the menu <laughs> stay constant all the time? Does it change? Are there LTOs? Are there, you know, seasonal specials? Uh, what do you do? Yeah. Focus groups on new menu items. You got an executive chef that keeps coming up with ideas. Tell us the whole picture there. Well, it's everything you said. Uh, it's no, it's a lot of. First wow. of all, we 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 do not change our menu. We're very consistent. We have our, uh, I think it's twice a year meeting where it's you know the workhorse, plow, star dog, whatever it is. Um, we do our quarterly specials. We're all about innovation, so we're always innovating. Uh, you know, twi- I work R&D with uh, Trey. I'm constantly on the phone with him. He's constantly calling me saying, hey, this is what I'm coming up with. And, um, you know, this is fantastic because we he is constantly doing something to uh, eventually uh, add on to the menu and innovate something. So, I mean, we try not to mess with our recipes as part of the consistency. But, you know, listen, jackfruit nine years ago was very popular for us. And we were the first one to have it. And it was this miracle fruit. And I love vegetarians and I love to eat clean. And it served us a very good purpose. But right now it's a very small percentage of our menu. Hmm. And it's been nine years. So, you know, it's about time to figure that out. So now he's coming up with, you know, alternatives for something like that. But um, yeah, we spend a lot of time. I, I say if you're not innovating, you're, you're dying. I mean, it's really true. Even if it's just one onion, making that one onion better a better onion itself per se is stuff that we freak out over. Okay. The yellow onions, uh, uh-uh. no, they get slimy. They get this. We got to switch from yellow onions to red onions. We're obsessive about that stuff. So cut it up, test it. It takes months, but we do testing everywhere, constantly innovating. Even if it's ideas that we know are not going to stick. Like I brag that I make the uh, world's greatest burrito. They call it Joe Khan's world's famous uh, burrito that I served my family twice a month. I love it. I couldn't execute it. And I did this big tasting on it and everybody hated it. And I was pissed off, but I could have said, it's going on the menu. I said, no, no, forget it. But we just throw stuff out there. We want to remain relevant. You know, we didn't have a bowl on our menu uh, when we started. Now it's a huge part of our menu, you know, our rice base or kale based bowls um, instead of the taco. So, we're constantly innovating. There's a lot of testing. Um, and yeah, yeah. If I answered that properly, I'll let Chris answer uh, the rest if I missed anything. No, I think you nailed it. I mean, it's, it's something we're very passionate about and, um, and, and thread the needle of, of innovation and new and introducing new. We do, we do on a quarterly basis introduce a new LTO and it's a new taco, a dip, uh, and or margarita and usually one of each. Um, just to keep things fresh and, and, and see if we find a new permanent menu item. And, um, but we, we, we also know that our, 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 you know, our concept also is built, built on a build your own, uh, taco or bowl. Mm -hmm. So you can come in and create your own as well. So between the, 
the features which we create, which we really sell the majority of these days, uh, you can come in and, and, and build your own as well. How about the bar? You've got a craft cocktail program. You got seven flavors of margaritas. You got some draft uh, Modelo and Bud Light. <laughs> what percentage is alcohol sales in a typical store versus food? It's big. It's thirty-five percent. Is that right, Chris? Our our four-wall uh, beverage percentage is you know has really lived at thirty-five percent. Sometimes a little bit stronger, uh, which is just just extremely healthy for. So mm-hmm. bottom line for a concept like ours it's really uh it's really exciting we get a lot of you know obviously to, margaritas are in our name you know condados tacos tequila and margaritas um we get it but it's really about fresh flavors um you know when, when you drink a house mark from us you're not you're not tasting cheap syrupy it's fresh mix and and we're, we're so proud you know that that um that, you know, you can come in and enjoy great margarita with with a great tequila and 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 fresh ingredients and save the hangover as a result. And uh, um, yeah. and and it's a big it's a big part of of what we do in the experience. Is uh, you know, come in, get a dip, have a taco and or bowl, um, and a great margarita. And we certainly have a um, a, a wide variety of beverages beyond the margarita, but we sell eighty five percent of what we sell is, is margaritas and, and every variation you can imagine, um, which we get a lot of credit for, which is exciting. For sure. Yeah. I get a really good sense of the vibe and the ambiance just from your website. I think I've always said that a great restaurant website really gives you a taste and a flavor of the restaurant before you even walk in the door. And it's a calling card and it's something that compels you to try the restaurant. And you guys have done a very good job with that. Would you say that, um, well, why don't you walk us through a first-time visitor walking through the door of any typical Condado location? Sights, sounds, smells. What what's hitting you? All you, Joe. Yeah. yeah. No. Listen, when you walk into Condado, it's it's all about uh, being in an exciting environment, and hopefully, which I, I'm very proud of. Uh, and you know, if we execute it all the time, I'm pretty confident that we do most of the time. Knock on wood. But you know, you're greeted with a friendly person at the front door and you know it's a casual vibe but it's exciting there's you know music that you know loud music it's a lot of energy and you're you're looking at these big colorful walls i mean we have um our own art department um that we've had since day one in condado it was one person before and now it's a art department of five plus we i think four or five something like that plus we have um uh 12 artists that we hire uh in the location that we go to so if we're in michigan in the michigan area we'll find uh mural artists and then we create these vision boards and we put this great artwork on the walls that all tell a different story they're all different in each condado but you know it's condado because it has all the you know representing characters but it's really the theme of the restaurant it's what makes uh your condado that you go to yours it's your neighborhood it tells a story usually about the area and what that area uh was you know in some areas it's about uh, like our polaris location polaris is about the stars so if you come into the polaris location you'll see us all a space theme and galaxies and all this great stuff but you'll see our characters in there doing the space moonwalk or whatever it is so that's cool it's really exciting when you walk into a condado yeah. You're going to smell a lot of chips because we go through thousands of pounds per location. 
All we do is we fry our chips and hard shells eight hours a day, just standing there over there, you know, doing that. So you're going to smell that. And hopefully when you get there and you sit down, what really is going to permeate with you is it's so comfortable and easy. And you don't have this person coming over to you that doesn't feel good about themselves. They're not in a uniform, a shirt, a tie, a blood. Hi, my name is Joe. I'm here to serve you. And half the time they're looking over you or they're talking through you. And you know how it is when you go to these places that have no passion and nobody cares about their job. I think because of the culture and the come as you are, our servers are very engaging. They're very thoughtful. They're very nice. They're extremely knowledgeable. I mean, we get grades on our friendliness, friendliness like nobody's business. I bet you we're one of the top out of the entire industry. Um, but that's a testament to how we treat our people. They're happy to be there. And they don't have spiels and they don't, you know, my name is this. They're just themselves. Um, they have rules, of course. We go through and, you know, do all that kind of stuff, steps of service. But they're really themselves. And you're, so you're going to be in an environment that's high energy, that uh, is very colorful. Um, and you're always... When I started Kendado, I wanted to with my murals paint. So whenever you came in, you'd always notice something different. And it's usually how it is. There's so many Easter eggs and nuggets in these pictures. I mean, these these artists are are outstanding what they do. And Alyssa, um, who's been with us almost the entire time, I think she started uh, at the end of year one, uh, who is now in charge of our art department, uh, is phenomenal. And she is the one that looks over everybody and takes her other people under her to do all these different restaurants and make sure that you know it's it's condado approved yeah uh, and they're a piece of, of art so you know it sounds to me that aside from the vibe and and the feel you get when you're dining in the condado it sounds like there's a huge marketing component there with all these murals and stuff just showing up on social media and being free marketing for you guys it just compels other people to try out yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, we're in the we're in the sure uh, the Buzzfeed. Yeah, we're in the Buzzfeed of uh, your Insta, Instagram, and all your social for sure. We're very, um, very colorful. Even our food is so colorful and, and pretty. You know, it just begs you to do that. But that wasn't the intent. But you know, luckily we 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 get it. But um, you you would be blown away if you go to a condado. It's 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 definitely an experience. We say for twenty bucks, it's the best experience you can get out there. I mean, that's what we are. Our average taco dip and a drink, you're under 20 bucks. You're about 19 bucks ahead. So it's the best experience for 20 bucks you can have out there. I'd put this against anybody. And you're also catering too. I saw party packs and taco boxes and nacho bars and all this kind of fun stuff, right? So that's got to be a popular side part of the business. Yeah, the fastest part of our, fastest growing part of our business Um mm-hmm. You know, it's right about right now. It's about seven and a half percent, seven percent of our sales. We, we really think it'll top out at you know ten, twelve percent, maybe more. It's it's just growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 it's. I mean, it's 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 uh, when you think of you know a, a company that's on a path to do about two hundred million or one hundred eighty million in sales. You know, ten percent of that catering uh you know one day or more um it's 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 really exciting um and and you know it's 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 uh it, 
from a B2B perspective, it's been really successful. And we've done everything from weddings to to yeah. uh, birthdays and what have you of hundreds of people. It's been been really exciting to see that part of our business grow very organically. And it's less than three years old. The first year we yeah. started it, launched it. About two weeks, I made the deal with with Beekman. Unfortunately for them, but turned out very fortunate. Two weeks before the pandemic, and uh, but the same with Karen Reed, uh, who is funny enough, she was in love with our concept when I opened uh, seven years earlier, or whatever, six years earlier. She was a regular catering for somebody else, and then she came to uh, apply for us. Uh, right before the pandemic and actually ended up getting the job out of a big search. So for her and Johnny, our COO, to grow the catering business, year one, there was no business. I mean, you're who are you catering to in the in the pandemic? Yes. People at home. Right. So she worked really hard. But you know, the two years after that, I mean, it is phenomenal what she's done, how sure. she's taken that. Her and Johnny have just taken it to, I mean, 10% of sales next year is going to be a huge business. Yeah. I can see that. You obviously must have a CFO as well. Yeah, the CFO really professionalized the business. I invested in my COO uh, first. He made more money than I did. My wife almost killed me. Uh, but I said, this guy's better than me. Uh, and it rang true. And then my next big hire was uh, David Connolly, who came from this brand called City Barbecue. They're I don't know if they're regional or they're almost national now. They're a big company out there. Yep, yep. He uh, he was the uh, CFO for them. He went into a private equity deal, sold. Um, you know, I guess did not enjoy uh, the the uh, private equity firm. We did just to let you know. We really like Beekman, still do, uh, but he didn't and. Uh, could have retired and moved on, but he knew our brand and we were probably four restaurants into it. And my partners were wise enough to say, Joe, you don't know what you're doing. You cannot be the CFO as well. And I said, I agree. Uh, so let's go out and, and strategically get one. And he was one of the first ones. And we were looking at his resume and on the title, it went, please do not throw this away. This is real or something like that. <laughs> and uh, we were shocked. And then we met with him and he just yeah. he turned out to be this great guy that was like, you know, city barbecue. I did it for city barbecue. I can professionalize your business. So we actually ended up making him a, uh, a partner. So he ended up getting a small piece of the business, just like Johnny did and some other people out there uh, to incentivize him. And really, you know, he took us to that level that, we uh, could never have gone to. I didn't even know what a uh, PL was uh, back in the day. So uh, he, I remember David coming up to me saying, Hey, Joe, uh, your prime costs are uh, 73%. And I looked at him and I go, Is that good? And he goes, No, Joe, you're losing a lot of money. So um, he really was the infrastructure to start our C suites start our HR, you know, go out and eventually find a president that we worked with for a couple of years and the whole organization. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to dive a little into finance, just typically, well, you mentioned prime cost, of course, and each mm -hmm. store must have key performance indicators that you monitor and you got to maintain yeah. the consistency there so that the bottom line performance is strong in each store. 
But locations and how you select them sort of factors into that equation too. Mm -hmm. And you must, you have a locational specialist as you grow. Yeah, no, we have uh, in-house. We 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 oh. build our organization again. We're about our people and how yeah. they're going to take us. So, Every Jason Siegler, there. another one. Uh -huh. uh, he was the uh, uh, real estate. Uh, I forgot what his exact title. He found the new locations for um, Rio Bravo. He was oh. with them for twenty plus years. Some Great guy, there. my age. Yeah. And uh, same thing happened. He sent along his resume as soon as they kind of defunct. And I, I looked at it and he goes, I know your brand. I love your brand. I want to grow with you guys. And same thing happened. So, um, but we are very lucky that way. The, uh, the, the money wise, I didn't know that 73% prime costs were good. So I'll let Chris take the money since he's the money guy, yeah, yeah <laughs> finance guys. And I know he has to jump so I can take it after that. So, uh, uh yes, absolutely. Um, so Obviously, this is a penny business, uh, the, the restaurant industry. It really is. And it really boils down to, you know, rent, which to a certain extent you have no control over once you sign a lease. And then you have, you know, food and labor, which is a big deal. So center of the PL is managed, you know, so weekly inventory without question, uh, daily review of labor, um, daily review of waste, um, if not by shift. Um, and then we have uh, weekly, monthly, and quarterly reviews of the financials. But but I we we have really tried to automate as much of our financials as we possibly can. We still have some work to do there, mm -hmm. but our goal is to make sure we create a system that is formulaic that keeps our folks eighty percent, eighty ninety percent focused on people. And then ten percent focused on sort of like the business of the finance, and if we do, if we just every day check our labor, check in on food, check in on our on our P and L, and and stay on top of it on a, on that daily, weekly, and spend that you know ten percent of your day, if you really think about it, just ten percent of your time on those types of things regularly, they'll never get out of control, and it allows us to spend ninety percent of our focus on developing our people and the guest experience. All of those things are so vital to our audience's own operations. So it's so important that you shared that. So thanks so much. Okay, sure. really quickly, just to wrap it up, what's the future plan? Do you see franchising in your future? Will it always be company-owned stores? Are you going national? What are you looking at? Yeah, we're, we're definitely going national. You know, uh, franchise, no, I, I don't feel that's the right play. I don't think Chris or my new boss, John Triano, feels that's the right way to go. We're just too big of a, a restaurant. There's too many moving pieces. It's not easy. I mean, it is easy, but you know what? I don't want people to, to take that. Company owned. We have our plan. We're definitely going national. We'll do, you know, 10 to 15 or 12 to 15 restaurants a year uh, going forward. Uh, and as we get bigger, we'll do more uh, when we can handle it. But uh, yeah, no, we're uh, we're we're taking over as far as we can go, as far as you'll let us. Uh, the the people out there wanna wanna have tacos. We'll go. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, the expertise, how you run your business, the focus on people, the focus on your guest service experience. All that came through. So we appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks so much for having us, Roger. Really a pleasure. My pleasure entirely. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks so much, audience, for tuning in. We can't wait to see you in the next episode, so please stay tuned. 
and stay well. Thanks, Chris and Joe. I'm super inspired, as is our audience, with the way you're building Candado Tacos. What a dynamic company you have and beautiful spaces and fast growth. But, you know, just the stories of leadership and inspiring others and giving them opportunity is really how we should be running all of our businesses. So thanks so much for sharing and being great guests on the podcast. Thanks also to our sponsors of this week's episode. And of course, to you, our audience, we really appreciate you tuning in. So we can't wait to see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.